Uh, today's scriptures passages are found in the book of Galatians. Please follow along in your bulletin. We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ, and not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law no one will be justified. Galatians 2, 15-16. In Galatians 3, 1-14, it says, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain, if it really was in vain? So again I ask, does God give you His Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? So also Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God, because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says, the person who does, not, who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. And in Galatians 3, 26-29, So, in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. This is today's reading from God's Word. Some years ago, a very famous preacher was invited by a large church to hold three nights of meeting on a weekend. So the first night, this preacher asked the question, what is the gospel? I'd like to see how many of you know what the gospel is all about. Raise your hands if you know what the gospel is. And no hand went up. And then he said, since I'm here in this big church, you don't know what the gospel is, I'm going to go home. Good night. And he left. Next night, and before that, the church was very concerned. They spent lots of money to get him there. So next night, they said, look, if you ask that same question again, everyone must put up his hand or her hand. So next night, true to form, he asked, how many of you know what the gospel is all about? If you do, raise your hand. And every hand went up. And he said, since you all know about the gospel, what it is, there's no need for me to preach, so good night, goodbye. And he left. 
So there was much concern, consternation in the congregation. And they said, look, the third time we asked, uh, how many of you know what the gospel is? Half of us, one side would just put their hands up and the other side would keep their hands down, all right? So they had this conspiracy. So this man again asked a question, do you know what the gospel is? How many of you know what the gospel is? And half the congregation raised their hands, the other half didn't. He says, that's wonderful. Those of you who know, tell those who don't. Now, I'm tempted to repeat that exercise because our theme for this morning is the basis and the blessings of the gospel. What is the gospel? Euangelion, the Greek word, means good news. And this word was usually used for announcing a victory over an enemy, over a hostile force, or it's used when the king ascends a throne, the coronation. It's good news. And the Christian good news is that God in Christ has rescued us. He came down to reach us, to pluck us out from the sins of hell and death and brought us into his family. This is the good news that the early church and we today want to announce to the whole world. And the word used by the Apostle Paul, and we are looking at his uh, teaching in Galatians, is found in uh, verse 16 of Galatians 2. So follow with me in the sheet that you were given. Know, know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ. So we have this word, justification. It's a big word. It's a theological word. But let me unpack for you, because this is a tremendous word. This is, if you like, the very basis, the heart of the gospel. We, says Paul, are justified by faith in Christ. Justification is a legal term. It's used in the courtroom. It's when a guilty offender, who should be punished for his misdeeds, is declared not guilty by the judge and then acquitted. So Paul was telling us God did something like that when we trusted in Jesus Christ. But you and I can only appreciate good news when we look at the bad news. You and I can only appreciate brightness when there are hues of darkness. In Romans chapter 1, verse 18, we have one of the most frightening verses that the world can ever read. In Romans 1 verse 18, the Apostle Paul declares, For the wrath of God, since most of you are trained in North America, the wrath of God, first time ever pronounced it that way, for the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godliness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Here we have the stark and awesome bad news. There is something called the wrath of God. It's not that God loses his temper like you and I do. The wrath of God is his holiness, his justice in collision against sin. And that means judgment. And every one of us stands under God's judgment because we rebel against him, we've gone our own ways, we've disregarded him, and his wrath rests on us. The biggest problem of humankind is not about global warming or even infighting in business, the home, or personal relationships. 
the greatest problem is how can the wrath of God be averted? How can we have peace with God? How can we be reconciled to God? And here is a stark contrast between the good news, the gospel, and also the bad news that God's judgment is on every single human being. Now, of course, the world says there's a way to get out of it. And they begin to postulate, to imagine that God is like a cosmic Santa Claus. He's a nice guy, really. And if you've done something wrong, if you've committed some little sin, it's okay. Say you are sorry, and God will accept you. And then we begin to make God in our own image. Think of him almost like a cosmic Santa Claus. It's just a small picadillo, a small sin. Everybody sins anyway, and God can forgive. It's his duty, his right to forgive, as some philosophers even declare. But we are told that our God is a holy God. Our God is a just God, and sin has to be punished. The wages, the result of sin is death, eternal separation from Him. But man has all kinds of devious ways to get out of this predicament. So human beings would say, look, if we appease God and... uh, make him want to accept us. We can you know, go to the church or temple more often. We can do good deeds. We can in, be involved in charitable acts and kindness. And we can do this, do that. And so the human religion is trying to appease God by doing this, doing that, do, do, do. But then when we come to the Christian faith, we have the fantastic news, it's done. It's not our doing that God will accept us. It's not human achievement, but resting in what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. And so we are introduced, and this is the good news, the gospel, to the cross, to Jesus crucified on that wicked Roman cross. This is the heart of the Christian faith, the center of the gospel. And in Galatians chapter 3, verse 1, Paul says, you know, when we preach to you what happened, before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. So Paul reminded the readers of Jesus on the cross. There on the cross, Jesus was, as it were, placarded. He was openly displayed for all to see. And um, Paul then reminds us, look, it is Jesus Christ and Him crucified that really matters. Now, the Galatian people were having a struggle. They thought by doing good works, by observing the law, God will accept them, love them, draw them back to Himself. But Paul says, no, no, no. Because um, people have always thought that the way to come to God is to do good works, to go to church, to be religious and so on. But here, the Apostle Paul tells us that is not the way. And so, here we have this picture. If you look at the text in uh, verse uh, 10, it says, All who rely on observing the law are under a curse, for it is written, Curse is everyone who does not do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one is justified by, before God by the law. And then in verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Curse is everyone who is hung on a tree. And Paul goes on to say, He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles 
through Jesus Christ, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. So here we are told, Jesus died on a cruel Roman cross. It was the basis, the most horrible form of torture. But on that cross, something wonderful happened. On that cross, Jesus became a curse because the Bible tells us, curse is everyone who hangs on a tree. That's a judgment, the punishment reserved for criminals. And there Jesus hung on that cruel Roman cross. And then Paul tells us something else happened. When he died there, he absorbed, as it were, the curses of humankind. He bore all our sin. And Paul tells us, he who knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. Christ died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. So here we see that on the cross, God's righteousness and love is displayed. God wants to remove the curses of sin, the terrible work that sin does to human beings. So the good news is that on the cross, Jesus died for us. He took our place. And when we trust him, we can become his children and his beloved followers. So Paul goes on to say, look, this also happened to one of the very famous patriarchs, forefathers of the faith, Abraham himself. So if you look at Galatians chapter 3, um, in the verse uh, 6, it says, Consider Abraham, he believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. So here, Paul is saying, look at the example of our Jewish ancestor, forefather, Abraham. How did he get right with God? How did he enjoy and receive the blessing of God? And the answer was because he trusted in the Lord Jesus, uh, in, in God himself, he was justified. And in... Uh, Verse uh, 6, it tells us very clearly that um, he believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. So Paul is saying, look at this famous ancestor, forefather of the Jews and of believers, Abraham himself. How did he get right with God? He, be he believed God. Now, we know the story of Abraham. He had no son from his wife, Sarah, and he thought someone else would inherit all his blessings. And God said, no, one day you will have a child. You will have a son. And so one day God said to him, go out, look at the stars, count them if you can. One day your descendants will be like the stars in the heaven. And I'm going to give you a son, a child. By that time, Abraham was way in his 90s and Sarah was very, very old. How could that happen? Then by a miracle, something happened. Sarah had a child called Isaac. And this was what God was doing. He was going to bring blessing to this child of his. He says, count the stars. If you can count them, your blessings will be like that. Your descendants will be like the numerous uh, stars of the heavens, populating the earth, bringing blessing uh, to people. So here we have, if you like, the very basic of the gospel. Here we introduce to Abraham, who believed God, 
It was reckoned to him for righteousness, and God was going to do something for him. And this is known as the gospel, the good news. But then there was a problem. These Galatian Christians were hoodwinked by the Judaizers, people who said, okay, it's wonderful to be Christians, but you must observe the law of Moses. God gave the law to Moses on Mount Sinai. That has to be obeyed. So you must have trust, faith in Jesus, plus. In other words, Jesus plus, the cross plus. And this was an abomination to the Apostle Paul. So he cries out in the first verse, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Who cast his spell over you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was portrayed as crucified. How come you are leaving God's way of salvation and reverting back to good works, the Jewish way, the law, trying to uh, get right with God by that way? You are hoodwinked. You are deceived. And who has done that to you? Oh, you fools. You stupid people. Why do you ignore God's way of salvation? And here, we're introduced again to the very heart of the Christian message. How are we justified? How do we get right with God? Is it by something we do, by our good works? And John Calvin, the reformer, said, the only contribution that you and I make to him is our sin. We can't contribute to our salvation by any good works. We'll never be accepted. Or, as Martin Luther puts it, to reestablish the law, in other words, to practice all the works of the law, asking God to accept us because of our good works, is to abolish the gospel. That's why Paul was so strong. You foolish Galatians, you dum-dums, you idiots. Think of all the worst descriptions that you can call somebody. You are so stupid, you are so dumb. How can you go back on the very basis of your salvation. How can you make the law equal with the gospel? That is absolute folly. You will miss out on your blessings. So he says, look, think about uh, your life, the life in the spirit. Was that by works? Was that by the law? You have the Holy Spirit. He's directing you. He's indwelling in you. How did that come? And the answer is through faith in Jesus Christ. And how is your Christian life lived out? Is it by obeying all the legal precepts of the Old Testament law? Trying to get justified by uh, the good acts we do? And Paul's answer was, no, you received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was freely given to you. Your life is now life in the Spirit. It is a gift from God. You can't earn it. And you have to accept simply what God has done for you. Or as uh, a very famous theologian called Paul Tillich, and most evangelicals will be afraid of that name, he says, and I like this quote, he says, uh, what we have to do is to accept the acceptance. When we accept what Jesus Christ has done for us, God accepts us. Accept the acceptance, and then we would have true faith in Christ. But these Galatians were saying, no, we want to go our own way. We need Jesus, the gospel, plus. And this is the very dangerous thing. Jesus, the gospel, and something else. And for the Galatian Christians, because they were influenced by the Jewish teachers, it was 
Jesus plus good works, and then we're accepted by God. Of course, we believe in Jesus, and then we will do good works. But the Judaizers were putting both together in order that we can be received and justified by God. And Paul says, no, just think of the Holy Spirit. How did you receive the Holy Spirit? Did you psych yourself up? Did you do all kinds of good works? Refuse that, reject that, so that the Holy Spirit can fill you, empower you, and you see miracles happening in your church? And Paul's answer was, no, that was not the case. It's like this, that many years ago, a good friend of ours loaned us her holiday bungalow in the fjords, uh, in a, on an island in the fjord of Norway. And um, we were there, the five of us in our family, and we were given a boat, a rowing boat. We tried to row. We didn't realize that the current underneath the fjord was very, very strong. So no matter how we rowed, myself and three of my sons, who were teenagers then, we tried to row. We couldn't go very, very far. And we were just uh, rowing like mad, but we had to come back very disappointed. And then our host came in in the middle of our holidays, and he introduced us to an outboard motor. He said, put this on the boat. I'll show you how to use it. And then you will have a new experience altogether. And we did that. So with that motor, the engine, we were able to sail around the fjord and really enjoyed ourselves. And all we need to do was to make sure we don't hit any shoals of rocks or the land. Then we would proceed and enjoy our stay and our, our cruise, our boat ride. And that's what the Holy Spirit does that when we depend on Him, He's going to give us power to live a life that is pleasing to God. To God. And Paul is saying, look, you know, you are living, or your life should be life in the Holy Spirit. That is a blessing. That is a blessing. The blessing of justification. You're put into a right relationship with God. The blessing, the gift of the Holy Spirit. You have Him. And besides, you have many, many other blessings as well. The basis of um, the gospel, the good news, is that God has accepted you in Jesus Christ. Good works cannot contribute towards your salvation. In fact, John Calvin used to say, the only contribution that we bring to Jesus is our sin. You think about it, that's all that we do. We say, Lord, I'm a sinner. Have mercy. Lord, save me. So, we have the blessing of justification. God says, because you believe in Jesus, He died for your sins, and before me, although you are as guilty as can be, I forgive you, you are pardoned, you become no longer my enemy, you become my child. And then the other blessing is the blessing of the Holy Spirit. When we become Christians, the Holy Spirit indwells in us, and He gives us power to live a life that's pleasing uh, to God. And then if you glance at the text to verse 26, he says, look, there are further blessings. You are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Now, many philosophers in the last century and currently talk about human beings as orphans. We live in the vast universe, but we have no relationship to a father. We are lost we're like orphans wandering around. We are waves and strays, not being able to find our way. But then the good news comes. 
the gospel comes. When Christ died on the cross for our sin, God accepted us as he accepted him, and we become God's children. We're the sons and daughters of the living God. And so here in verse 26, Paul says, you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. No longer do we fear God as a judge. No longer do we dread him. But we come to him and call him Abba, Papa, or Daddy. No longer is life meaningless. We find meaning when we come to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, some of you like to watch Mr. Bean, Rowan Atkinson. And uh, he once um, used a very meaningful uh, sentence in that series called The Black Adder. And there he said, life is like a broken pencil, pointless. And for many people, it's like that. We are like orphans, cosmic orphans. No meaning in life. We search and search to riches, to wealth, to uh, philosophy, and somehow we never find deep, true satisfaction. But when we come to receive Jesus Christ, we become children of God. But as many as receive him, to them God gave the right to become the children of God. So Paul is saying the blessing of the gospel, it is you receive not only the Holy Spirit, you also enjoy sonship. You become God's beloved children. No longer is he hostile towards you. He welcomes you into his family. And then he goes on to say, for all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. And here, it does not mean that if you are baptized, and we'll be seeing some people being baptized today, that automatically saves you. It doesn't. It has to be faith, trust in the living Christ who died for your sin. And baptism is simply an outward confirmation outward sign of an inward conviction. He says here, all of you were baptized into Christ, joined to him. You've clothed yourselves with Christ. And here probably he's thinking of the Roman um, kind of ritual when a young boy suddenly becomes an adult. He's given a white toga, a white robe to wear called the toga virilis. And he's saying, yes, when you become a Christian, you've been baptized into Christ. And then you become an adult in terms of your faith. And God wants to relate to you in that way. So here is one of the blessings of gospel. You grow up and you are accepted and loved by God. And not only that, he says, uh, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male or female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. And one of the blessings of the gospel is that he God the Holy Spirit brings us into the community of faith. We don't have to be isolated. We don't have to live lives by ourselves. We live it in interdependence with our brothers and sisters. One of the blessings that God gives to us today who believe in God is the church, the family of God. You and I, regardless of our backgrounds, become one in Christ Jesus, accepted in Him, we are part of his new community, of his new society. You're all one in Christ Jesus. This, again, is the blessing of the gospel. Now, some of you know that I spent a lot of my life traveling, ministering around the world, engaging with Christians of different culture. And whether I'm in Africa or Asia or Latin America or North America or Europe, I find that when I meet fellow Christians whom I hardly knew, 
There's that bond. That's that oneness. That's a joy. We are part of one family. That is a blessing of the gospel. That is why here in Watermark, we stress the community groups. We want people to come together to really encourage, build up one another so that we can grow together in the Lord. And here is one of the great blessings of the gospel, that not only do we become his children, we are part of his family, and there is no distinction, no uh, rank as it were, neither Jew nor Greek, no slave nor free, no male nor female. Of course, these things are still reality. Some of us are rich, some of us are not so rich, some of us are Chinese, others are Americans, and some of us um, uh, are male, some of us are female. But those are not distinctions that divide because in Christ, we become one. And this is the blessing of the gospel. One of the greatest thrills that I've experienced when I travel around the world and minister is to be able to say to people of a different color, culture, background, you are my brother. You are my sister. We are part of God's wonderful family. And then the other blessing is that if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now, Abraham is a very important person in the history of the Jewish people. He's the father of faith. And many faiths claim him, the Jews, the Muslims, and also the Christians. And here, Paul is saying the important thing is that God chose Abraham for a very particular purpose in use. God told Abraham, in you, through you, and your seed, all the families of the earth will be blessed. God's purpose of choosing this man was that his blessing will flow and overflow to masses of people. Now, most of the readers were not Jews. They said, how can I relate to Abraham then uh, in terms of flesh and uh, physical descent? I'm not part of Abraham. I'm not a Jew. But Paul says, look, in Christ... Something wonderful has done, has come. All the blessings that Abraham inherited and are passing on to his natural heirs, the Jews, are now passed on to you Gentiles, you non-Jews. You can inherit God's blessing. You become an heir. You can inherit all the glorious blessing of God Almighty. I want to close with just a story. Some years ago in Britain, there was a very famous uh, baron, a lord called Lord Fitzgerald. He had a wife, and um, this wife died. And then they had a, uh, but he was left with a baby, and he cared for this baby, and the boy grew up to a teenager. And then sadly, one day, this teenage son died. And finally, Baron Fitzgerald also died. But he left a huge collection of art, precious art, masterpieces. He also drew up a will. And he wanted uh, all his paintings, masterpieces, to be sold after he died. And then the day of the sale came. There was a huge crowd of people. There were the museum curators, and there were the private collectors, all wanting to buy up these very precious masterpieces. The first lot was a painting. It was a painting of the teenage son. It was entitled, My Beloved Son. It was a very poor picture, a poor oil. It was not painted by a famous artist, but the title was, My Beloved Son. And so the auction began, 
And the auctioneer said, who would start with a bid for this picture? For a long time, there was no bidding. And then finally, somebody put up his hand and says, for 15 shillings, it was less than a pound, very little money. And he says, anybody wants to buy it? No? Going, 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 gone. So the picture went to that man, the, the portrait of the son. And then the auctioneer stopped and said, excuse me, sir, um, why are you buying this painting? Because artistically, it wasn't great at all. It wasn't worth very much. And then the man said, I used to be the servant of Lord Fitzgerald, and I used to care for that child. I want it. And then the auctioneer says, the entire sale is over, and everyone is horrified. He says, here's the will. Anyone who buys that picture, my beloved son, inherits all the masterpieces. That's the same way with Jesus Christ. God is saying, anyone who trusts in Jesus, in Jesus alone, for his or her salvation, inherits everything. All the blessings of Abraham, both spiritual as well as material. And let's not be uh, saying only, material, only spiritual blessings will be ours. No, God wants to bless us, prosper us as well. And so I want to close by saying to each one of us, as we look at Galatians, God wants to pour out his blessing on us. The gospel, yes, it's very exclusive. There's only one way to God. It's through Jesus and Jesus alone. And the basis of our salvation, the very basis of our gospel is the cross. And the way that we can be accepted by, cross, by the Lord is through faith in the Lord Jesus. There's no other way. Good works will not do. Being religious will not do. But the moment we say, yes, God, I trust in Jesus as in a few moments, the uh, people who are getting baptized will be declaring, we trust in Jesus. But when we do that, we become beloved sons and daughters of the living God. And all the blessings that God wants to pour out on His people will be ours as well. So we don't want to be like the Galatians because Paul had to castigate them, scold them. You're so stupid. You're dumb, dumb. You're nincompoops. Why do you want to go back to the law? When everything is free, God's grace is free. Accept it. Accept it. And uh, accept the acceptance, the famous words of Paul Tillich. Do it. God has done everything for you. And so today, God is saying to us, will we respond? And if you have never, never accepted Jesus into your life, you're not a child of God. The answer is not try. Try to work your way to heaven. It's like trying to lift yourself up with your bootstraps or shoelaces. That will not work because the Christian faith is done. Christ has done everything on the cross for you and all you have to do is say, I trust you. All you have to say, like the hymn writer, nothing in my hands I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress, helpless look to thee for grace. That's it. To look to God, to say, Lord, save me, bring me, into your family. And when you do that, He will love you, He will accept you. So make today a very special day, a day where you can say, Lord, I want you ready to come into my life. You've done everything for me. Out of gratitude to you, I place, I give myself wholly to you. And when you say that, 
you will enjoy the blessings of Abraham, you become a child of faith, and you will know God's kindness and generosity and blessings on you. Let's pray together. Lord, we marvel at your love, at your grace. You should reach out to us who are sinners, who sin against you, who offended you, who've hurt so many, many people. And yet, through the cross of Jesus, through his death, through his dying for our sin, you have accepted us and made us members of your family. And we are truly, truly grateful. So thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And give us faith to respond to you, to love you. We may become children of the living God. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, just a couple quick announcements I just want to share with you. I have two slides. Last Friday, my, our community group, if you're not in a community group, you've got to be in a community group. Our community group did our first outreach. And so we invited 50 of our friends who aren't part of Watermark or any part of relationship or churches, and we took them to this place in Apple Chow, a winery. And it was amazing just uh, to see them make wines and to drink wine and people kind of loosen up after a couple glasses of wine. And <laughs> you didn't hear me say that, okay? Uh, uh, but anyway, so it was, it was a great experience. I think we got two pictures of there. And uh, so if you're not in a community group, you see what you're missing out on? Free wine, cheese, and chocolate. I tried to get the Diet Coke in there, but they said it didn't, didn't work with the wine and cheese thing and anything like that. Uh, also, we're about to go out to the, communi- uh, to the um, baptism right out here. And so we just ask for you not to run away because we want everybody to partake in this. <coughs> we're going to have the baptism candidates come up front. And then we will afterwards go eat. We have a lot of food in a buffet over there, so we'd love for you to do that. In the middle of that time, there's going to be some university students walking around with baked goods. They have been baking for like four days straight. <coughs> and all of these goods are going to be sold or donated, donations from you. And they're all going towards their mission outreach that they're going to be doing in the Philippines coming up very soon. So we want to encourage you to buy some baked goods and be a part of uh, sending a university student to a mission trip in the Philippines. Also, uh, the last Sunday of May, May 27th, write it on your calendar, we're going to have a beach trip, beach party. So immediately after the service, there'll be buses outside. We'll just get on the buses. We, we've, we have a beach. It's our private beach. Uh, it's St. Stephen's Beach is great. And we'll go there as a church family and just kind of hang out and have fun. Aussies will have plenty of sunscreen, sun sunscreen lotion so you can soap yourself up. Americans, don't worry about it. You'll just get dark. Um, but we want you to be a part of that. Okay, and also, uh, I'm going to ask the com- uh, baptism candidates to come forward. So the baptism candidates. So in your booklet, you got a booklet here, and it's a story of all these people who are going to be baptized today. So Judy and uh, Victoria Henrika and Ivy, you want to you want to come up here real quickly? Okay, yeah. come on. And uh, and so you, to me, this is like one of the amazing things of being a pastor. Is you get to see God just change people's lives. And so I've I'm going to put Victoria on a spot because I asked her, and I and we saw, you see your testimony in here, Victoria, and just it's amazing what God's done and brought you to this place and. I thought maybe you could just share for, like, this is unrehearsed altogether, so uh, maybe just share for a minute or two of just the journey you've been on and how God brought you to this point. Okay, so um, 
I was born into a Christian family, so I went to a Christian elementary school, you know, sang all the songs, did the prayers, but I never really took it to heart. And then in middle school, my family moved because of work, and it, the commuting was during Sunday, so my parents told me that not going to church was just temporary. So I thought, okay, when I start to drive, I can start going to church. But once I started driving, I didn't go back. Um, I started drifting really far from God, and I ended up making excuses to not to go to church. You know, too tired, I didn't feel like it. And then when I came to university, actually my um, priorities in life weren't about Jesus anymore. They were, I had bigger idols in my life, you know, fame, money, school, all that. And my mom had two um, criteria for me. One, do well in school, and two, join a church. So I actually found a flyer of Watermark um, ICF, International Christian Fellowship, on the ground at HKU. And then I thought, oh, that's really cool. So I I went to it. And then um, I remember the environment was so friendly that I thought it was too good to be true. So I was really intimidated at first. Um, So I wasn't very into it for a semester because I was feeling guilty that I drifted so away from God. And then second semester, I went on my first retreat, and that's when I fully gave my life to Jesus. And I remember the day after I came back from the retreat, I was just walking through the streets of Hong Kong, just with my, li- my head lifted higher and just a slight smile on my face. And like coming to a new country is really scary. I mean, of course, Hong Kong. I walked around the streets very impatient and very guarded. And I just remember just feeling so much happier after the retreat. And it doesn't seem like a big deal, but it was a major change for me because it wasn't until then that I realized how angry at myself and others around me that I was. And I just just wake up every day just so much happier because back in high school, I would go to, like, months at a time, go to bed and wish that I wouldn't wake up. So it was a really depressed time for me. And... That's okay. <laughs> I never cry up here, so don't worry about it. <laughs> um... And um, <laughs> um, I remember um, after the treat, um, sorry, <laughs> um, like I didn't feel that anymore, and that was a big change for me. Accepting Christ into my life. It's <laughs> okay. It's okay. Just relax. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. It's a thank you. <laughs> wow, you are so good. Thank you. <laughs> so I realized that looking back at my life, I had so much, I had no peace within my life. So accepting Jesus completely changed my life and my behavior. I mean, I woke up thanking God so much for every single day he has given me, you know, uh, days that I wish I could forever escape from before. So, yeah, that's, that's my story. Good. That's good. If if there's someone in here maybe who is where you were a year or two ago and feeling that tension and that lack of peace or that rowing against the stream, I think like what Pastor Chalaz said and like what where am I going? Would you would you share any? What would you want them to know? What would you share with them? Um, for so many years of my life, I tried to find happiness and a fulfilled life by myself, but it wasn't until I accepted Jesus or when I came here that I realized that. I couldn't do that by myself. I really, I desperately needed Jesus and to trust him. You were so sweet. <laughs> yeah, so I desperately needed him to save me from my depressed lifestyle. 
So I would just say that, just acknowledge that you need Jesus Christ in your life in order to change. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Okay, so <clears throat> baptism is not about, they know, now, now they get baptized, they are Christians, right? So baptism is an outward symbol of something that's already happened inwardly within all of their hearts as they cry. I have some more t- tissue there. You go. <laughs> I don't normally have this effect on people, but, <laughs> but God does. Um, and so as they come before, they're not becoming Christians right now. They, they've become believers. They put their faith in Christ, and so they want to demonstrate what God has done in their life openly to the Watermark family and for everyone here to celebrate God's amazing goodness in their life. And so that's why we're going to do that. And so I'm going to pray for you guys right now, and then we're all going to make our way out to, we spent, we spared no expense in getting an amazing pool out here. You're going to laugh when you see it. And we're going to do the baptisms out here. So don't leave, please, because you're going to want to be a part of, this is what God's doing in our family. This is why you serve. This is why you tithe. This is why you do what you do to allow this church to exist. And so we're going to make our way out there and change our clothes, right? And then, uh, and then you'll be able to see, and we'll sing little songs out there afterwards, too. It's a family affair. So let me pray for us. Father, I just thank you for my dear sisters. I just thank you for Ivy and Judy and Henrika and Victoria and just what you've done in their life. And I know, I know there are people here right now who've come to know you this year, and they still don't know if they have the courage to come up and be baptized. And Lord, I just pray that you would fill them with your peace. And I thank you for this journey that you have these four women on. And just as they can look back at your amazingness and that you've brought them here. I pray that they would never forget this day. That they would have this uh, put on their heart as as a reminder of just how faithful you are. And we pray for those in Hong Kong and this side of the island who don't know you yet. Father, we just pray for many, many, many more baptisms in the years to come as you allow us as a church to reach out and to share the most important thing in our life. So, Lord, we love you, and we worship you, and we praise you for these, for these stories in this booklet. We know that you are the God of stories. And so we pray these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're going to change, and we're going to meet everybody out there. And then again, we have a lot of food, so we, we're going to kind of, I think we're locking that door, I don't know, but try to go out this way, and we'll kind of go around, and we'll meet you out there.